0: I
1: V M Advertising is dead. It's all business now. And one of the core growth engines of business, especially in today's world, has been people finding ways to merge together the physical world with the digital world. If you add a layer of the creator economy on top, that's a whole different ballgame. How do you bring what is in a sense something which is digital content, add a physical leg to it to kind of amplify how it can really grow and evolve. And in many ways, bring all of these together to not just help creators grow, but also brands grow. And in a sense, an ecosystem to really evolve. One example of this is the hub in Bangalore. And I have their founder and chief happiness officer, Azan Feroz said on Advertising is Dead Today. Talk about all of this, his own journey, and so much more. I'm Marundu Girala. And this is Advertising is Dead, where everything's about business now. Right back with my chat with Azan. Welcome back to Advertising is Dead. We talked to Azan. Azan, firstly, I'm happy we're finally doing this. We've been, I think, coordinating this for a while. There were dates that went off on my side, then then stuff on your side. I think we finally managed to do this and I'm super excited to have you on the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Varun. Excited to learn from you, to have an interesting conversation and explore the creator space in India.
1: Before we kind of kick off, I'd love for you to kind of give our listeners and viewers perspective on your journey to kind of setting up the hub and also like
0: what all you guys do because you guys do a lot of things there
1: Uh, so just give a bit of a broad landscape there and then we'll dig into each of them
0: yeah so it's always interesting because a a lot of people who know us in the last two three years they think that we're a media company or an agency or a lot of people think we're an influencer uh, management company but we started about six years ago in co-living so we've always been a community company right we've built a community the first four years we did it offline this is pre-pandemic. We had co-living, co-working, event spaces, and we just loved bringing people together offline, uh, creating a safe space, creating opportunities for interaction, collaboration, Mm. bringing artists in, musicians. And that's what we really enjoyed doing. The pandemic kind of forced us to reimagine what community might mean like in a virtual world or in a hybrid environment. And Mm. that's what kind of um, blessing and curse brought us to the path where we are today, which is we have that offline business, which is truly like our core differentiator. Um, but we have this amazing online kind of community and this this creator network um, mm. through which we're able to work with brands and creators from across the country. So it's kind of really like opened up our horizons. Mm. And we're kind of like in the middle of all of these interesting opportunities. And I think it's early days for us as a brand. And we could go a little bit more offline, a little bit more online, but we're enjoying every day and we're, we're seizing every opportunity that comes our way. So if you look at the, the time you kind
1: of move this into the these directions and if you look at the broad landscape of the creator economy and i know we talk a lot about the creator economy but i feel that we don't talk about it from the broader sense of even india as it is right a lot of the conversations on the creator economy or even the influencer space become very like bombay centered very not centered but there's so much happening down south as well so what have you kind of seen or what did you kind of learn as the creator focus kind of scaled up for you guys you know, i didn't expect this to be you know this way or, or these kind of creators to be around or was that already like something which you kind of knew and wanted to just tap into
0: yeah i think um this is a great point to to kind of reference the concept of entrepreneurs trying to become creators Mm -hmm. and creators trying to become entrepreneurs, right? Grass is always greener. As a creator, you have distribution. And as an entrepreneur, you have a product Mm -hmm. and a creator needs to do something with that distribution to monetize. And an entrepreneur wants to leverage that distribution to monetize, right? So I think that's why I think we're super blessed to be in Bangalore, whereas a lot of the attention goes towards the north, it goes towards Bombay, Delhi, and creators in different parts of India. But this gives us a kind of an interesting space where Bangalore is a very startup-minded entrepreneurial mm. city. So the speed at which a lot of things are happening here is very exciting to watch entrepreneurs collaborate with creators because they both very, very clearly get what they need from each other. And I yeah. think us being in that ecosystem, enabling those collaborations, it's a great learning opportunity for someone who's trying to build a business in this space.
1: And as you're kind of doing that, what are you seeing? Especially, I, there's been a bit of a boom, right? If, there's a lot of scale that it's online creators have gotten over the last couple of years. Primarily, I, would, I wouldn't say primarily, I would say largely because of the pandemic, because it gave them the opportunity to really find an audience who was online for more time than they were before um, mm-hmm. and really scale out. What have you been seeing in the creative space? The more you work with them and kind of build that community, uh, say, okay, this is super exciting. This is, this is where the future is kind of going. These are like where we find the space
0: right now. What are those pieces? I think, again, for us, I like to speak for my truth, which is Mm -hmm. where a a super small community in Bangalore, right? Mm. And and the most important trend I'm seeing over the last 60 days is creators want to actually connect with their communities offline, Mm -hmm. because it's a very good measure for who's going to bat for them, right? Even if you have 100,000 followers on Instagram, it's difficult for some of these creators to pull a hundred people together true. offline. True, And if we, but they need it, they want it because it's it's great from a learning perspective, from an understanding perspective, from a content generation perspective, right? The kind of mm-hmm. content you get at an offline event can really help grow your online community. So, true. Um, so I think even though this may be a non-scalable tactic I Mm. I think it's a very interesting space to kind of double down on and try and assist creators not just in Bangalore we've had creators that have come down here from Dubai, Egypt different parts of India and say hey we saw you did a creator meetup with Manish Bhai or with somebody else and we want to do a creator meetup we want to see we're just curious to see we don't know if it's going to work or not that's the first thing they tell us but I think that space that niche space is very interesting for us I love the fact that you said that it's a
1: tight-knit community right because that's what you offer get wrong. You often get, I, I feel that people always consider the fact that you need to have not only hundred thousands, like you know, millions of followers to really hit scale, but if you get a captive thousand, couple of thousand people who kind of will kind of come in, like you said, who will come in for um, like, I remember I did a book reading sometime back in Ahmedabad and there were 80 people there. And I couldn't like, it blew my mind. The fact that 80 people landed up there um, right. in Ahmedabad, which I didn't even know I had an audience in. And the more you look at the data, you realize there are people who are deeply engaged who you need to kind of figure out, okay, these are the cities, kind of go engage with them and then let's see what you can do for them and with them in that sense of the word. And that's where I guess physical spaces like yours really come in because you're facilitating that physical, okay, let's meet over here. Let's figure things you can do. So apart from the standard meetup scenarios, what are you seeing that is really engaging
0: what is primarily a digital audience in a physical space? I think there's so many kind of like I wouldn't call them trends yet, but they could be trends, right, that we're mm. seeing these early kind of signs. We had a call with uh, NAS's team just last week, and mm. they're rolling out a new uh, community management tool called NAS.io. Um, mm. They're going all into it. They're trying to find creators as well as communities and say, this is how we're going to help you uh, build a better way to manage a digital community. Um, mm. But I, I think it's still such early days because yeah, Discord allows you to do that. Um, Some people are doing it on Telegram. Um, There's this interesting startup that we're talking do. They're called Rigi. They They enable better Telegram and WhatsApp community running. But I, I think a lot of the really difficult problems, they're difficult because they're not scalable, right? Because when mm. you talk about a community, when you talk about managing and building a community, for it, community kind of has to be of a certain size for it to have enough cross pollination within it so that the person moderating the community is just has to moderate, not actually contribute to drive the value in the community. But as the community grows, the best part about the community which is the intimacy and that connection, it's very hard to use technology to solve that because the human element is what truly drives from a zero to 10,000, right? Yeah. But after a point, like, what do you do? Because you need to grow. But then tech kind of also just kills the vibe. So that I'm so excited to see. Like, I love talking to all the different people building solutions to kind of understand what are the different ways we're going to approach this because someone is going to crack it. We have to, right? Yeah,
1: that's actually so true. Because I mean, the more I'm seeing this, and it's been this weird journey, right now, You talk pre-2020 and it was still like, okay, you build an online audience, but you were living in an offline world. So offline was prime. How you would term, let's say, celebrity, how you would term. I mean, like, I I don't even remember the word personal brand from that time. I feel that kind (laughs) of came in somewhere in the pandemic. I don't, or maybe I've lost my memory, but I don't remember that term at all. Now suddenly cut to today where you've gone from that to pure digital because you didn't have a choice. So now saying, okay, I'm going back into the physical world over the last let's say eight months to a year but while doing that what also has happened is that the way you engage has changed you know you don't engage the same way you would let's say pre-2020 like I know I don't and that's maybe changed what an audience expects from a creator what a creator expects from them and and somewhere in between a brand has to figure out okay what do I do in the middle of all of this which I think is the <laughs> I mean, that's the one category I worry, I I think about the most because I'm like, these guys still can figure things out
0: between themselves. How does a brand fit into all of this? No, it's it's definitely a very big challenge for a lot of these brands to figure out, right? Whether you're a startup uh, or you're a a really big multinational company, I think I look at it as an interesting challenge to solve because the way marketing is being done and advertising is being done, advertising is dead. (laughs) It's completely (laughs) mid-massive disruption. Mm. I look at it as a very positive thing because I think... Um, If this didn't happen, the space would have become just another like a boring space. But the Mm -hmm. disruption is bringing so much creative attention to it that these solutions are constantly uh, interesting minds want to come and work on on these challenging problems, right? It's not just you make an ad and you put it out, right? I think the innovation will, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out.
1: And I want to take a slight detour from this and say that as I run through your, and I ran through your LinkedIn because that's what you do before you get guests on. (laughs) It's a lot of stuff that you do, right? So I want to kind of do a bit of a flashback. I also realized you're from the same school in Bangalore is what I realized. We were both from Bishop (laughs) Portons in Bangalore. uh, And I happened to spot that. I'm like, what has your journey been like to bring you to this point? And I'd love to kind of hear that because you're not just
0: doing one thing, you're doing many things and and I'd love for you to touch upon all of them. Yeah. So uh, I'll do a small plug here. Uh, Mm. Three months ago, I decided it's time I share my story from my perspective. Mm. So I actually started a newsletter. It's called Repurpose. It's on LinkedIn only. Uh, Uh, And the tagline is um, stories of uh, stories from the life of a hyperactive founder. I think that would pretty much describe what you see on my LinkedIn, right? Yeah, I think I've been super lucky, uh, super blessed, because I've, I've had a lot of support from my family. I've had uh, the opportunity to build a phenomenal team, which mm-hmm. allows me to try and um follow an unconventional path as an entrepreneur. Most entrepreneurs are given the advice that don't get distracted, don't try to do too many things, you won't be able to scale anything, mm-hmm. Um, focus on one thing, right? And, and I get it. That's probably great advice, but that's not the advice that I've lived my life with. I've always tried to approach my entrepreneurial journey in a way that's closest to my personality. And my personality, I don't, I didn't want to suppress that to follow traditional advice, right? Mm -hmm. My personality is I'm a little um, excited. I want to try new things. I want to dabble. And I felt like if I don't build my business journey through that, at some point I may lose interest in what I'm doing. And that Mm -hmm. would be the biggest threat to, towards the long-term success of potentially what I, my I relate with be.
1: you a lot because um, I, I'm similar and I call myself an cutlet. but <laughs> the way you define it seems a lot better than me just saying I'm just an cutlet. this is why I do too many things is how I normally I, I define think, it.
0: I uh, think internet culture would prefer your de- definition <laughs> but yeah I think for all the things that maybe I have been able to do I'm I still look at myself as completely clueless and I may have, like, with my different businesses, we have one foot in the door in a couple of sectors. Mm -hmm. But I think, um, in terms of figuring out where to double down, where to scale, uh, there's still so much uh, that I'm excited about because of the unknown, because I don't know um, what I may end up doing even two years from now, right? Which one kind of clicks and gets all my attention and and all the time and energy. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, from a philosophy perspective, what we've tried to do is we've tried to build a creative team. We have a team of 25 amazing creators. we call them creators because some are graphic designers some are video editors some are content strategists um and and copywriters and all these amazing minds. And and the belief is, let's build the team first. And let's use that team to kind of be really great at just one thing. That's Mm. storytelling. And whatever these businesses are, we can leverage storytelling to grow them. Something as different as we're in this property right now, we have two banquet spaces. Mm. That's targeting a very different demographic from the co-living space, the co-working space and our agency clients. Um, But The same team works on all those businesses because we treat our businesses as clients of our agency. So how do you break that down? So then that brings me to an interesting point, right?
1: If we have the same set of people working on all of them, but they are in in, in a sense different things, how do you A, kind of assemble this team together? uh, Or rather, how do you kind of say, okay,
0: and how does that flow? Not just for you, but like for the team as well? Yeah, I think... um... If there's one thing I can say that we're proud of and and I'm confident of like saying we got this figured out, it's the culture part of it, right? Mm. Um, we attract the best people. Sometimes I really like I pinch myself and I'm like, how are these people part of our team? They should be doing yeah. something greater. And we've, we've built this entire thing on Instagram. So the last... Mm four years, especially the last two years, right? You look at our Instagram and this is often an internal challenge. It's like, we're not sending the right message because everyone who comes to us says, how can I join your team? Not, I want to be your customer, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> So for some reason, we're super lucky we've been able to create a vibe, an environment or where where we encourage people to be the best version of themselves, to be great storytellers and to build their personal brands Mm. while they're working with us. That allows us to attract the right talent. And then what we ask for them in return is just spread your talent across a couple of projects that we're working on and we keep trying and changing them up. So they have freshness and variety and they get to build their portfolio in terms of Mm. I've worked on all these diverse sets of problems.
1: Yeah, You mentioned the fact, I mean, I want to touch upon the brand one again a little bit and go a little deeper onto that. Is that what have you seen have been ways in which you've been able to really kind of work with brands and kind of bring all these elements together to kind of, you know, function for them better. Uh, if there are any examples you can kind of pick out, anything which you guys have done, which you think we kind of get also people to understand how, because I love the model of bringing all these things together and treating them as mm-hmm. different clients. But on the brand side, how
0: do you kind of look at that aspect? So we've started working with brands pretty much from day one about six years ago when we started building the co-living space because we realized we had a, a member base of 200 members right? We have people who live and work in our two properties. That got amplified when we started doing events. We we started building a database of like tens of thousands of people that have attended the 500 plus events we've hosted in our, in our spaces. So now we have this captive database of 200 in the property, uh, about 10-20,000 within within a five kilometer radius of us who likes to come occasionally for events. Mm-hmm. Um, With that brand started approaching us even before we were an agency saying, can we tap into that? Can you do a brand activation? We've done... We've We've done this for brands, uh, a lot of beer beer startups, right? We had a lot of microbreweries popping up. We've worked with brands like Bumble, where they like create this unique offline experience for us or where we can beta test or where we can do a product launch. And that kind of fed into what we're doing today as an agency, which is like, yeah, we're an agency, but that can mean so many different things today, right? Everyone seems to be having an agency. I have a personal branding agency, I have a LinkedIn agency, I have only Twitter agency. Um, and that's something that we keep asking ourselves because we've only been an agency for about 18 months. Mm-hmm. What kind of an agency do we want to be? And a couple of areas that we've, we've we've figured out that yeah these are yeses and these are nos. Definitely hybrid experiences combining offline online. Mm-hmm. Um, but also something that has just kind of emerged is digital PR. So I think that's a very interesting space for us and we've been able to drive meaningful results because an ad in a major newspaper Mm -hmm. may not be as effective as getting on the right podcast, getting the founder on the right podcast, right? Right. And that's why a lot of things that I do, it kind of charts the path for us to potentially maybe introduce our clients and be like, hey, uh, someone's doing something interesting. Would you consider maybe having a conversation? And, And that has been very organic. It's worked for from both ends, right? Yeah. And I think that, that's something we want to dabble in more. And one
1: of the things you also spoke about was that in your team, you have a mixture of people who, let's say, copywriters, editors, etc. I feel that's also one aspect of the creator economy which we are seeing coming up, but that's actually the need, right? You have a lot of creators but every creator also needs people they can work with. If someone might just want to know how to write, but more importantly, people might want to like, how to I find an editor? How do I find a photographer? How do I find someone who can be a channel manager? There's that need as well. Um, do you see yourself, or are you already in the process? Okay, these are things you can kind of add on to what you need to do. Either if you're an entrepreneur who wants to be a content creator, where I feel the need is max, because most entrepreneurs now want to have that personal brand, mm-hmm. but don't have the bandwidth to sit and edit themselves. I'm a clear example of someone who tried and then failed at it <laughs> till eventually got myself a team. Um, mm-hmm. And how, how do you do? You see yourself moving into that space a lot more?
0: Yeah, I think um, we're super open. Um, mm. Like I said, we've been doing all this. We've been playing in the digital space for less than two years. Right, mm. It takes people a, a much longer time to even gain some traction and clarity. Yeah. So we're very aware of that. Our philosophy is build in the open. And yeah. listen with intent, right? So, everything we do, we document. Like, if, if we're doing a podcast right now, before the podcast is out, there's going to be a, a shout out from the hub page saying, We just got on a podcast with Varun. Um, it yeah. was amazing. And if anybody wants to potentially maybe reach or connect to him, um, just shoot us a DM. And if we think it's interesting, we may try and facilitate a relationship. So, we, we just believe in being super honest, talking about what we're doing, listening to what people need. And if there's a way we can repurpose this amazing team that we've built to kind of cater value. To what what people need, even if it's not a, what a conventional agency does, then why not? Because when we don't want to label ourselves as an agency and say this is how an agency works, this is how you're going to be able to work with us. We we want to create a new way for people to kind of interact with creators, right?
1: Yeah, and I think the other aspect of it is is
0: that what I feel at some point we're kind of coming
1: to is because you're also going in with the community aspect, you will not just see collaborations on one front, but on multiple fronts happening. Do you feel a physical space is more relevant today? And I know we started off with that, especially as we are, I think people are just really like wanting to kind of go back to a physical space more than anything else. Do you see it being more relevant today than ever?
0: Yeah, hands down. I think there was that revenge travel, revenge spending, revenge mm. going out happening. But I think it's safe to say that that phase is maybe over now. Um, and I was very interested to see whether after all of that spike, would it again dip down? Because people would be like, yeah, okay, I got going out right now. I'm happy to go back home because uh, it, it's easier to work from home. It's easier to kind of do everything from home. But surprisingly, after that spike, we saw a plateau. We didn't see a dip. Mm. And and that's very interesting to see because we want to play more in that space, right? I think there are ways to kind of build scalable offline strategies. Um, if, if you look at what Mr. Beast has done with his whole yeah. virtual burger chain and what he's doing offline i think these kind of trends are, are capitalizing on the fact that people want to go out but they want to they want an, a hybrid experience where they feel connected to an online ent- entity but they're able to have an offline touch point point. and i think that's hmm. a space it's just too exciting for me to to kind of work with clients on that space and see what could potentially happen
1: i have a ton more questions to ask you but i know we need to go for a break so I'm going to quickly do that and be right back with that advertising is dead Welcome back to Advertising is Dead. We're still talking to Azan. I want to actually ask you this and I'm going to ask you to kind of put on a bit of a lens to say, okay, this is where things are really going. Uh, We've spoken about, okay, we were purely physical and then you were also like largely physical focused and the digital piece happened which was forced upon us and that kind of changed how we function in the world. And now in this weird hybrid space, I have my own perspective on it, but I'd love to hear your perspective saying, where do you see this kind of going? How do you see it evolving? Especially with the multiple areas of focus that you have. What are you kind of seeing as trends for the future, especially in the creative space and and all the spaces that you are focusing on?
0: Yeah, I think um, for the offline bit, I think there's this whole shift that's been happening from D two C brands, online brands that are kind of realizing they need an offline footprint, right? And I think post-pandemic, there was a very big opportunity for these guys to capitalize because a, a lot of the traditional brick and mortar were, were leaving spaces left, right and center. So a, a lot of these online D2C brands that were thriving in the pandemic realized that there's a great opportunity to go and jump into offline, whether it's your sold store, it's your lens card. Um, a lot of smaller yeah. brands also were very gutsy and they said, okay, let's go. Let's There's a great deal available on space. I think the last 12 to 18 months, these guys have realized that yeah we got a great deal we got in but this is not what we signed up for we didn't know that we Mm. have to deal with all of these things when it comes to offline um we had a great launch influencers came everything and now we realize that why d2c is is a better route right yeah i think that's another interesting challenge where a lot of attention can go to solve that problem because I, i think having a hybrid like having multiple touch points is a great thing for a brand but Depending on what the de- what the brand sells, right? If you're Lens card, you're you're kind of debating internally. Should I do eye test at home or should I do I test in store. I think that's where like an agency and more creators can kind of come in and find new age solutions that help these brands kind of address it. Do you
1: feel that the creator is going to be the center of where the agency space is going to be? Um,
0: Because I'm just picking that up from what you just said. I love that. I love that. So when we say that um, we're an agency built by creators for creators, Mm. there are two kinds of creators in my head, right? Um, If you're a videographer, you're a designer, you're a copywriter, you're a creator. You are at this and that's what our team is kind of built comprised of. But we also have a lot of unconventional creators that are on our team. Um, I would say TikTokers, Instagrammers, YouTubers. Mm-hmm. And I think there's this constant internal battle in my mind. Should we hire more Traditional creators or mm. unconventional creators, yeah. because someone who makes reels yeah. can make better reels that do get better traction than a copywriter, an anchor, and a videographer put together. I Agree, right? It, it, it's just crazy. We spend a week on a on a reel and it gets two thousand views. Um, a really young Instagram creator walks in and makes a reel in seven seconds and it gets a million views. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's different amounts of value being delivered but ultimately reach does have to be factored in right so i think some of the best agencies that that are born in the last few years they have this ability where they have not loaded up on conventional creators yeah and they have they have the ability to build a sizable conventional creator base but then scale with unconventional creators and i think that if that balance is struck right those are going to be the next big agencies
1: i agree entirely because and there's something which as I've learned the creator side, um, and weirdly enough, like like when I look at my own personal journey, right? Start off as a person behind the camera because so production was anyway, like muscle memory. But as you learn how creators, not just create content, but look at data, understand the audience, tap into that, go with it. That is in many ways what agencies need to emulate. And I feel the layer on top is just the strategy part. Because you to understand long-term brand strategy, understand why, you know, color science is important, understanding why, you know... Just brand voice is important. Some of those pieces, you need to add that layer on top. But the chain of actually creating stuff, there is no better, I would say, way to create today than for a creator to create that. and Or, or rather use the methodology, understand how that works. And I feel a good part is that there's an entire generation who were born with that phone in their hands to create. Yes. So even if they do end up in an agency, they are, I would say, naturally creators mm-hmm. Yeah, to kind of put stuff out there. So I I totally agree, because I feel that's what a lot of agencies and even brands kind of miss. They think it's two
0: separate parts of the whole equation, but they're actually like one and one whole. No, and literally, as much as it's an internal struggle for me, saying which direction do we, where do we hire, right? We have, Mm. we have limited resources. But I see this as a healthy debate play out in with my team, we just for for the last six months, we've saved the, the first almost 12 to 14 months as an agency we mm. were an agency on iphone right we didn't we didn't have a dslr so yeah. we've been saving up and and like a, about a month two months ago we finally got the sony alpha a74 and i just got mine this is literally right? the first time using it right oh my god okay that's so exciting uh something to be aware of it has a heating issue so you have you have yeah. to research it and you have to kind of uh, work on yeah, it yeah, yeah. it gives us a little bit of trouble yeah but um I mean, for me, it it was obviously these are learnings, right? We're figuring it out. But I thought the best investment I could make in my team is to give them the right tools and the right gear, whether it's online subscriptions or it's hardware. And every month, at the end of the month, we kind of look at all our content and have a social media report and just a fun internal meeting saying which ideas worked, which didn't based on Instagram, YouTube, and stuff. Mm. And I was shocked. I was like, every piece of content that has worked was shot on phone, and every piece shot on the DSLR has not done that well from a reach and engagement perspective, not a quality, right? Yeah. Um, it was just, it was eye-opening to me because I see the team debating saying, I'll just shoot this one on my phone. It'll do better. And yeah. I'm just thinking to myself, what is going on here? Why right. did you spend all that money?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, and, 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 so I have my own thought on that because right? I like any Instagram reels, etc. I'm creating, I shoot on my phone, even though I have whatever camera I have with me. Because I feel at some point when you are consuming content, a large part of the, part of the content has been created on the phone. So when something seems overproduced, and I feel that's the one trap can fall into very easily, it's a major trap agencies fall into, is that you overproduce it. And when you overproduce it, it starts to look like an ad. Doesn't really look like, or looks like television, looks like a... high highly produced piece of content, whereas it's, it's raw, yes. people are like one this looks like a normal video. Let me just watch it. Yeah. Um, but there's a parallel to that, which is a, let's say we're doing a podcast and we're doing something which actually can use that extra level yes. of like this clarity. Yes. There, this, this makes a lot more sense. So I I, I kind of get that phone part and I feel like phone cameras are great. Let's be honest. They're like you technically, and you know, oftentimes might not even need to get a
0: DSLR anymore. I, I think by the time this podcast comes out, the, this conversation could mean something completely different, right? With the next <laughs> iPhone coming out. Yeah. <laughs> and they already have that new piece where you can
1: turn an iPhone into a webcam yes. uh, and like this I had half a month, saying why am I buying this DSLR again but I'm yeah. like no but it makes sense to kind of get it to just kind of rig it up and yeah no I think the Difference in thought process, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think the these are the new age kind of decisions that we have to make, right? When we're in this space, and we just have to be open to the fact that we're not going to make all of them right, but we have to be reactive. So yeah. we quickly said, "Okay, cool, you guys do your reels on your uh, on the phone as much as you want, and we'll use the the DSLR for client work, for ad shoots, mm. for YouTube where it makes more sense." And we quickly kind of pivoted that into a different, uh, different part of what we're doing. So ultimately, it's still useful, but. Yeah, I think it's it's all just one big learning <laughs> learning experience, right? In doing these multiple pieces that you do,
1: um, and you you briefly spoke about it before the break. What have you learned about yourself as not just an individual but as an entrepreneur? Um, but what are your own like what, are, what have we been your what have been your learnings? Not just in terms of how you should function, but actually how you function as well.
0: Yeah, I think very very directly, I've learned that I like to build things. And I'm not necessarily the the best operator in any of the Mm -hmm. businesses that I'm involved in, right? And I've said this many times, but I've understood it deeper and deeper every year that Mm -hmm. I've been in business that I really am not a good operator, right? Mm -hmm. But I I still want operational excellence in everything we do because you can build a brand, you can market. But once someone comes and has an actual experience with your brand, whether it's offline or online, and that experience is subpar, You're never getting them back, right? Mm. So my main focus is to have excellent, excellent operators in everything that we do. And then me kind of focus on the creative part of it, focus Mm. on innovating, disrupting very, very healthy businesses, just because I don't want to be last to kind of evolve. Um, It's almost like an insurance approach, right? Let's disrupt ourselves so so that we don't get disrupted. And that has resulted in me kind of battling it out with these great operators, which are like, everything is good. Just let it be for another year. and i'm coming in there and saying like yeah I operate but also innovate right mm. so that that has been the space that has been my journey in that in that kind of space
1: and how is that also kind of changed the kind of like you've mentioned operational excellence, like that and, and stuff like that? What how what do you look for when you're hiring people? And especially to kind of counterbalance that I'm guessing the operational part is there, but is, are the other aspects just from a hiring perspective?
0: Yeah, I think it's it's just the one word that is the most important word is in any of our at least the things we do, this person needs to very deeply care. Hmm. That can't be taught. So true. That's that's literally it, right? Um most of the people we've set, we celebrated, the person leading our digital strategy just celebrated five years yesterday. Um, The person leading our real estate spaces business is, is going to be completing six years soon. And the roles they came in at were so fundamentally different from what they're doing today. They weren't even operational. But Mm. the the one thing is they cared about me, my ideas, my vision, our vision, what we're doing, our community. And there's been so much learning and so many mistakes. But that desire to want to solve those problems and figure Mm. it out has what has kind of kept us afloat.
1: Yeah was a later part of every episode. I asked my guests a set of questions. Right? Um, those have nothing to do with what we've spoken about so far, um, but it's got just like kind of tap into the other side of you. Um, beyond all these things that you do, and you do a lot of things like we discuss on the show, what else kind of excites you and, and becomes a part, or has to be a part of your day beyond, if you can call it work,
0: what you do? Yeah, I think um, for me recently, this answer has changed, right? But for me recently, um, the thing that I look forward to the most is we have this incredible kind of team here. Mm. And and this is almost not work related, but um, it's something that gives me a lot of joy and like satisfaction. I love like learning about what's happening on, on internet culture, mm. right? Some of it doesn't directly even affect what we do. Um, but I love learning about it. I usually do this every night before going to bed. Like I'm a night owl. I'll stay up. I'll watch podcasts. I like watch stuff, read stuff, and then coming in the next day and kind of, um, like almost like presenting to my team. These are my learnings from last (laughs) night. And yeah. saying, figure out whether it applies to you, it doesn't apply to you, whether it's work or just makes you a smarter person. Doing that, I've realized that I just really enjoy like learning every day and then passing that on to someone else. And I, I, I've i considered how do I do this? Could I do a podcast? Could I do a newsletter? But, mm. but the thing that truly makes me happy is to do it in person with just 20 people.
1: Mm that's so true right because often times kind of sitting down 20 people it's not just one sided it's also like back and forth it's, it's an actual yeah. communication and everybody feeds each other with things so I think that's I agree with you that's, that gives the most amount of value on like a broader basis than
0: anything else I think um, more than anything it's just so personally satisfying right so true so true anything you read watched or listened to recently that you recommend I started watching a lot of your podcasts over the last two weeks uh, I've been having a lot of fun I've been learning a lot of stuff I think I'm always a huge fan of of Gary Vee mm-hmm. watching his content um but also, he's asked, evolved right huh yeah the way he's evolved right it's just it's it's amazing because he's not creating content he's living his life content is a yeah. byproduct exactly. and I think as entrepreneurs as creators we have so much to learn from that philosophy of content creation right yeah yeah. And I, I think specifically the last month, I've been reading a lot about internet culture and meme marketing, because that's something that we're about to venture into. Mm. I just think it, it's so fascinating from, from so many different angles. And I'm excited to kind of keep learning about it both personally and as a company, because I think it it is going to play an important role in the future of how brands are built.
1: You just mentioned meme marketing, right? So what interested you uh, to kind of
0: tap into that area? Um. So remember, I told you the hub, The Mm. number one thing that kind of it attracts is people with ideas saying that, hey, we want to join your team. Mm. Um, We met our director of PR because she walked into the hub one day and said, I've been watching your content for the last two years and I've never met you, but Mm. I'm going to come in. I'm going to take over this very whiteboard that's behind me (laughs) and I'm going to tell you top to bottom. She filled it out and said, this is why you need to have PR at the hub and I'm the person to do it. Mm. We shook her hands and two months later, she started off. So she's almost going to be here for a year. The same thing happened with meme marketing. An 18-year-old kid just walked in here and said, Mm. he he actually made a notion proposal for us. Mm. And we loved the design of the notion proposal. And we said, okay, cool, you're in. You're coming in as an intern. We'll take that risk, put it together, make a deck, pitch it to our current clients as an upsell. And if Mm. even one of them take it, you can lead this vertical. So that's how we got into meme marketing. And um, we've been doing a lot of memes on the hubs page, on our clients' pages, and... Mm. It's just working, right? Like if you have an idea, try it, and if it works, build a business around it. But yeah. I think over over strategizing, over planning, and and like launching in two months, three months, it's just not um, something that we have done or that's worked for us. What can you put together in an instant? What can I put together in an instant? Yeah, um, a Notion page. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in I mean i am
1: fully going to admit it. I have tried to get my head around notion, but I feel I have a mental block of a 40 year old who is <laughs> refusing to learn notion. I will eventually get over that hurdle uh, because it
0: has been on my, uh, like, I need to learn this uh, list. It, um, it's, it's truly an amazing tool. You, you can just shift your entire personal life and your, and your company. It's, it's like a, an operating system, a very user friendly, easy on the eyes operating system for your work to keep things organized. Yeah.
1: No, I, I love the way whenever someone sends me an ocean piece, I, I love it, but I've just not been able to create one myself. <laughs> Point to note, that's something I need to get back onto. Um, and what's generally the last question I ask everyone? is a play off the name of the show itself, which we've been trying to evolve over time. Um, what do you think is going to keep the creative space alive going ahead? Especially in the way in which you're kind of bringing the hybrid of physical and, and digital together?
0: Yeah, I think um, just giving it room to take its natural course, right? That is all the creator space needs. It doesn't need policies and interventions and uh, us trying to think that we know what's best for it. It's everyone just agreeing allow it to be on its journey allow it to have space to evolve let it take time let it make a mess let it fix that mess and just see the beauty in that evolution uh, because it's going to create a lot of opportunities uh, that a, a lot of other creators will immediately be solving and mm. and that is that innovation chain that just keeps it going so I, I at least that's just the way i look at it thanks so much for doing this azan it's been <laughs> I've, I've loved to kind of tap into your mind and i know that there's a bunch more
1: things you can talk about Um, but I want to leave something to kind of get you back on the show at some point in time. We can go
0: deeper into these conversations and take them further. But thank you so much for coming on Advertising is Dead, where it's all business. Thank you, Varun. Thank you for being a friend of the hub and for collaborating with us, for having me on. Um, We've ordered 10 copies of your book. Uh, and we're going Thank to be so doing much. a giveaway giveaway in our community soon. Um I, I'm I'm just super excited we got to talk and I'm looking forward to potentially doing more things with you down the line. For sure. I'm popping by Bangalore soon so hopefully we'll and I'll yes, definitely We, will, we have we, we have to have you over here for a coffee when you're down. Done. Done. I'll do that for sure. <laughs> Thank you Varun. Thanks.
1: If you like this podcast and you want to listen to more podcasts like this, head over to the IBM podcast website or app or wherever you get your podcasts from and look at all the podcasts that IBM makes. There's some really fun stuff there.